0: Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 143, episode five of Dirt Daily's Ice a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top: fuck the Koch brothers, Ugh. fuck Fox News, fuck. fuck Rush Limbaugh, all of it, fuck Buck Sexton, Bye. fuck Ben Shapiro. No way. Uh, it's Go. Friday, July 24th. 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. All right, stop, collaborate, and listen. Zeit is back with a brand new edition. These thighs are blinding whitely, but we're still <laughs> dropping pods both daily and nightly. When will it stop? Yo, I don't know. Bring on Miles and let him flow. Ooh. To the extreme, I got dad bod saddles up Shits <laughs> Creek, and Anna's got our paddles. Hands. Oh, uh
1: high, guys, baby.
0: Uh, that is courtesy of Chris Chambers, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray!
1: Yes, it's Miles Gray, the Blazing Blade, the Gray Walker. Thank you for having me. I just thought of that two seconds ago Because I did not look up an AKA But yes uh, Thanks Well, Great to be here
0: It's just It's uh, I'm glad we're starting this podcast off with you Thanking me for having you on your own podcast Yeah uh, I've always felt like I deserved more uh, gratitude for yeah. having you It's like You uh, know what it is It's
1: almost <laughs> like dr- like Sitting in the back seat When like your partner drives or something And you're like mm. You don't have to sit back there But you're like You know what I don't know I'm just going to try it out you know, Even though I normally <laughs> Give it would sit shot. shotgun I'm just going to take it in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the
2: hilarious, the talented Mr. Dave Schilling. Oh, thanks. Yeah, this is Fashion. not icon. Not the first time someone has said I am hilarious or talented. So yes. uh, sorry about that. But uh, I will take it non- nonetheless. <laughs> Thank you. I I eat it up. I eat uh, compliments for breakfast. Yeah. There you go. That's a great thing to eat for breakfast. You That's why I'm use so thin. Shit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave, how are you doing? How's the uh, quarantine treating you?
2: I don't know. I felt like I was kind of low energy today. I I, I knew huh. I had this to to, to work on and, and come on and, and talk to you guys for. And uh, I just right. sort of like, am I not looking forward to this or am I just uh, so excited that I can't find the energy to do anything else? I felt like it was like Christmas Day. Mm, this is like wow. my Christmas day for quarantine. I I, I I tossed and turned all night. I woke up. I couldn't uh, eat. I couldn't I couldn't drink. I couldn't think. And now finally I'm here, and, and all the enthusiasm is just spilling out <laughs> of me. Mm. It's incredible. It's,
0: it's great to have you. We're enthusiastic to have you. We Thank are you. Uh, energy vampires. We do suck the life force out of uh, those we
2: come into contact yeah, with. Yeah, that
1: Blade reference wasn't a joke.
2: that's real there's just like techno music thumping in my apartment and i'm about to get dumped (laughs) with a bunch of blood
1: oh man oof i remember that was like the thing like in junior high like dude in this scene just like fucking blood comes out of the ceiling you're like what (laughs) i (laughs) said Before Great all app, this definitely. happened,
2: that scene was scary because it's all vampires and they cover you in blood. And now that scene is scary because there's just a bunch of people all in one room with no masks uh, on. Yeah, Ugh.
1: I was watching Not even the blood. It doesn't that doesn't that part doesn't really bother me. I don't me. care about that yeah. anymore. I was watching Mister. Rogers rave.
0: Neighborhood from 1968 this morning with my four-year-old, and uh, the he had a chef come through who was making ice cream, making a snowman out of ice cream with his bare hands. I was so fucking disturbed. (laughs) I was like, what? Was that ever okay? Uh, But Apparently in 1968, that was just, we were all right with that. Did they eat it after? Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Mr. Rogers dug right in. Um, Wait, he
1: was just bare hand shaping bare hand
0: sc- shaping ice cream
1: and did but, he have like
2: those meaty paws that people had in the 60s oh yeah, and 70s yeah. that were just like uh, stubby fingers with it just, was another, like lots of hair on their knuckles
0: also a great example of uh, it's worth going back and like looking at I think there's a post raisin brand commercial that's a great example of this but they just didn't care what you looked like when they put you on TV in the 70s <laughs> the dude just uh, I missed looks, my era uh, yeah, <laughs> the dude just looks like, uh, you know, rough, huh? Real rough. Yeah, like they wouldn't put him out front at a at a restaurant as a greeter. Like he was <laughs> not like the the face of being a chef. He was more of a behind the scenes type. Okay. Uh but yeah, ch- check out the post raisin brand commercial where they've got um a bunch of different uh it's like an acapella group where the different acapella members are dressed as raisins. And it's like a fifty-five year old, like tubby dude who just like is the lead singer of the a cappella group. And no they they weren't worried about that. They were just like, what? He's he's a good singer. We gotta put him in the in the television ad. That man um, was Burt Reynolds. It's amazing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> That guy was considered sexy. <laughs> I mean Reynolds was sexy. I oh yeah. We can yeah, all agree sure. on that. Oh, definitely. Uh all right so Dave, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First we're going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about. We're going to talk about a tumultuous relationship in Stephen Miller's family after the passing of his grandmother. Uh we're going to talk about Florida. There's some bad polling for our president uh, Donald Trump right now and there's it's actually a really good case study in just how this pandemic was handled because they had a young woman who created like the best dashboard in the country. Um, right. And in a typical administration that was focused on addressing this problem, she would have been you know promoted up through the administration and been in charge of all these different things and instead she was fired because it made the information too accessible. Uh, so we're going to talk about how that went down. Jis Lane, uh, we we have a clarification from the White House on why the president was wishing her well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to talk about Tenet, uh, because I think we're all a little bit horny for Tenet, but we all also (laughs) know that we don't want to go to crowded theaters. Uh, But first, Dave, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are?
2: Uh, I recently looked up public access TV. Yeah, a a project I'm working on. And I forgot the particulars of of public access TV, but it was so important to not just society, but I guess to me too. Just like watching weird stuff on public access TV was part of how I spent most of my free time when I was a kid. Um, Anybody could be a TV host. Anybody could, could sign up and have studio time and cameras and and be put on television it reminds me somewhat of of being on a podcast Uh, (laughs) (laughs) anybody could do it Uh, no just but but seriously like i miss public access tv i miss that you could get perspectives from outsiders where people weren't necessarily trying to be just famous or follow trends because Public access TV shows existed in a bubble where there was no commentary. There was no feedback. It was just like, I'm going to make this thing because it seems good to me. But nobody yeah. could like immediately, instantly tell you you suck <laughs> when right. your TV show came out. So a lot of people you know, that ended up being uh, successful and doing cool things started on public access TV. Tom Green's TV show was on public access TV. And I don't know how people feel about Tom Green, but... I mean, he was a big deal for me when I was a kid. I thought he was hilarious. Some of the
0: hardest laughs I I had at a very developmental period of my life. Yeah, I I remember my mother
1: just really realizing something was wrong with me because she's like, there's just shit on a microphone, and that's funny to you? And I'm like, but he's just putting it in their face, and he's not saying anything about it, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing made me laugh harder
2: than when he sent the cow's head to his parents. Uh, Uh, They were so mad at him.
0: The statue that he put on his parents lawn of his dad oh. hitting his mom <laughs> yeah which probably wouldn't fly these days but the, you know, no, uh, other thing
1: i remember like in public access was sort of like the way i saw like some like raw like adult content that you could not really find anywhere else and it took like you know older kids to be like i don't know if you watch public access man but like it goes down late at night. And you, can you can see
2: a titty if you try hard enough. Yeah,
1: like it was – that was like the – I remember the promised land at first when I was even engaging with it. It was like that's like the, the dark web of TV yes. content basically.
0: Yeah, it was like YouTube before YouTube it, for people. I'm sure there's a lot of our younger listeners who don't even realize like what we're talking about. But for a long time, there like Channel Three, I think where I where I lived, uh, was public access, and it was just you know videotapes. <coughs> I I remember once I saw uh, and watched the entirety of a slasher movie made by people uh, with absolutely no experience and uh it it was a blast i I would get my stalker content or slasher content anywhere i could um but like you said channel
1: three because where i grew up channel three was a channel it had to be on to play super nintendo Uh,
2: oh yes yeah Yeah. or the vcr or something (laughs) it's either three or four
1: yeah i don't know why yeah it changed based on like i guess maybe some Some areas kept one channel sacred, like there's no Channel 3 in the LA market, so that was ours because 4 was NBC, but I'm guessing other places, 3 was a channel and 4 wasn't, I don't know, anyway.
0: Yeah, no, 3 was definitely my channel for the VCR and that actually shows how uh, poorly thought out everything was back in the 80s because you'd think that Channel 3 would have been like a really hot one to get because people would go to turn it on that channel to watch a movie on the VCR and like be... You know, there's just a lot of traffic going through that station, but instead, it was always like public access and just bullshit. Um, so, bad job by you, cable bosses. Uh, Dave, what is something you think is overrated?
2: Oh, professional sports. This is a oh. hard one for me to talk about right now, but as all the sports are coming back, mm. I I start to think about not just how much I enjoy watching the game. But now I'm forced to think about people's health and safety and the uh, inevitable decline of our country. I'd like to just watch baseball, but I can't just watch (laughs) baseball because now, you know, Juan Soto tests positive for for COVID and he was practicing with the team yesterday. He was playing with the team yesterday. They're all going to test positive now. So the Washington Nationals playing a baseball game tonight against the Yankees is a horrible idea. So if I tune into that, I am complicit in some way in this insanity, this public health nightmare. So yeah, but professional sports are overrated only in the sense that not dying is underrated in America <sighs> now. Yeah.
0: What yeah. uh where are they playing that game? The the Nationals Yankees. Washington
2: DC. Wow um mm-hmm. <laughs> dr Fauci is throwing out the first pitch <laughs> did you know that no i i've decided or maybe i haven't decided but it has been made apparent to me that life now is just a series of grim ironies yeah Wait, really. are you
0: being serious that he's throwing out the first pitch
2: yes that's not a joke that's no. what i mean he's throwing out the first pitch and the nationals best player can't play because he has covid
1: that's... The Simpsons foretold all of this. Yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> My favorite episode of The Simpsons was about COVID. Remember that one? <laughs> God damn it, it's Would horrible.
1: Season three, man. They really went into- <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a Schwartzwelder episode, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, the the sports thing is really interesting to see because like on the other side, you know, I know you watch a little bit of Premier League also. Over there, like they've managed, obviously the the handling of the pandemic has been completely different or much different than the United States, but th- that has managed to be somewhat uh, pretty stable and they're finishing out the season. But yeah, there's a lot of other things when you think of like sports that involve like not only just a lot of players on the field, but then the support staff that travels along with it, it gets, it almost feels like that seems like almost an unmanageable amount of people.
2: It seems like the only way to to control this and to keep outbreaks from happening is to do what the NBA is doing, which is not perfect. MLS is doing this too, uh, WNBA as well. Having a bubble, having all the players in the same place at the same time so they can contact trace when people test positive, so they can shut down teams. Uh, the first couple weeks of the MLS restart tournament, they, they were, there were teams that were testing positive, like three, four, five people at a time. And so they just pulled the games. They just canceled the games. Instead of saying, oh, one person tested positive or three people tested positive, they just won't play and everybody else will. It's like, well, those people will probably test positive the next time you test them. Mm -hmm. So it just doesn't seem like you can do this unless you have complete control over the environment. You have complete control over where the players are go, who they interact with, and, and, and their schedules, that's draconian and, and, and totalitarian and scary, but the, the other option is people getting sick and, and possibly dying. So yeah. I, I would rather have sports be controlled or not happen at all. Baseball is doing it totally wrong. Football is going to have fans, they say. They're going to they're gonna put masks on people and have them go to
1: football games.
2: Mm. How does that make sense? It, it doesn't. doesn't. I mean, it's, it they, they
1: say that now. I mean, I can't. Ugh. What do they, I mean? What, they're going to reduce the crowds to just 10,000 people?
2: Yeah, that's the <laughs> only way you're going to be able to do this. And no concession stand lines, no bathroom lines. Like, there's no way you can guarantee that no one's going to get sick. They're going to have people sign waivers. Right. Saying, I, was, I I admit that I am putting my life in danger by attending this football game. But you can't beat the price on those tickets though, man. Yeah. You got it. You got it. It's such a good such a
0: good deal. Um, They're move their price to move. The NBA thing is starting to look very smart because they had zero positive tests in their last batch of like uh you know uh league-wide testing. And you know, they what they did was smart in that they created their own artificial environment where they could do the thing we should be doing as a nation uh which <laughs> right. is contact tracing testing contact tracing not letting anything in or out uh the thing that looks really dumb when we were first talking about this idea when we heard they were thinking about creating a bubble to you know have the end of the season and the playoffs in we were like well clearly they're going to have it in New Zealand because that's the only place that has fully like gotten this under control And instead, they have it in Florida, in the center of Florida, which is, uh, I think yesterday it had more positive, or last week it had more positive tests than all of Western Europe, like Florida as a state by itself. It's totally um, like the worst, like literally the worst location they could have chosen.
2: Yeah, it's not great, but at the very least, they have shut down access to that that uh, part of Walt Disney World. Yeah. So you're hopeful that they can control it, but baseball teams are still going to be traveling. Yeah. They're going to be playing in their own home parks, which is what's happening in soccer in the premier league in the, in the UK. But the difference is that country is very small. Um, It, it compared to the United States, there won't be, you know, a lot of travel in the way that there is here where you're going from California to Arizona to Texas to, Florida, you know, all of these different places, the the chances of of contracting the virus go up exponentially every time you leave the house, let alone get in an airplane, get on a bus, uh, go into a locker room. It's just maddeningly stupid. And this whole process, this whole experience, this pandemic has reinforced for me that sports is not important. Yeah, It seems important because the media and the sports leagues Uh, have a vested interest in making it important to you and making it vital to your life and 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 having it seem as though the the wins and losses of your team are are your wins and your losses but in reality this stuff is just a diversion it's just a fun pleasant afternoon uh, at home or or out at the stadium it is not life and death life and death are real things that are happening every day and it, it just gets worse and worse
0: I was pleased with how easy it was for me to drop sports from the things I gave a shit about there for four months. And I'm, I'm even wondering if I want to pick it back up. Like, I haven't read much NBA bubble content. I'm, I'm wondering if I should just, you know, keep... Just keep watch it, the
1: vlogs. Watch the vlogs. Watch the yeah. vlogs and
0: keep it as background noise, but not really, <laughs> like, get invested like the yeah. way I did.
2: It's like, hard to get invested in, in something frivolous or trivial, when, you know, the, the fate of the world is at stake every day. Yeah. Um,
0: what is something you think is underrated, Dave Schilling?
2: Silence. I okay. love to talk. I like to hear people talk. But I don't give myself any time to sit in silence. Mm. And I'm, I'm constantly filling gaps in my day. If I'm not busy, I'm finding something to be busy with. If I'm, you know, trying to write, I'll distract myself with something else. There are so many times when I could just like sit in silence and just meditate or ruminate on the state of things, and I don't do it. And I think people should do that. It would be nice if people took a little bit more time to not do something. Right.
0: I'm definitely in the phase of the pandemic where of, of the like quarantine shutdown where like I started out, I was like, all right, this will last for a couple weeks. And like I was, you know, not doing anything, wasn't particularly productive then I went into a phase where I was like, all right, I'm meditating. I'm doing, you know, like this is an opportunity to improve. And then the past few weeks has just been a complete disaster. Um, <laughs> so I, I just, you you were talking about having low energy days. I've I've been having uh, a low energy July. Um, <laughs> it's,
2: yeah. It's unfortunate that at the beginning there was almost a, a weird sense of optimism that oh, this is going to be great, and we're going to have you know some fun inside, and we can watch movies and read books. And there was that stupid-ass viral tweet about uh, Shakespeare, and it's like, oh, I could be so productive. And I was very productive for the first couple months. And then it, I think it was this month for me, too, where the dawning realization of this not ending anytime soon really hit me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the walls start to close in on you at some point. Um, and you're like, oh no, this is this is really just my life now. Is being on the track, going from point A to point B over and over and over and over and over again. So I recommend everybody out there that's listening to this take a second to be silent with your yes. mind and and with your with your entertainment and your all the things like just stop doing stuff for a while. Yeah. And then that, that might refresh you. I, I I'm gonna try to do that myself after this is over. Is bury my head in the metaphorical sand and hopefully come back out, you know, with some renewed sense of purpose.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, it's important too in when we're like sort of locked up inside and we get really anxious or thinking about the things we could be or should be doing. I think really, really letting go of that idea and actually, you know, taking the time, like if those thoughts are entering your head to say, um, yeah, that, that may like seem more feasible when, you know, things aren't, Quote unquote normal. But at this point, that's really not what is in order right now. And it's, and it feels weird because it's the antithesis of how we've been operating for pretty much most of our, or our entire lives for most people. So, yeah, being able to let that go and being accepting that, you know, you have to tell yourself too, is like, it's okay. It's not just sort of saying like, oh, I'm stressed. Like, you have to tell yourself like out loud, I'm okay with that because I understand what's going on, but that's not that doesn't have to define this entire thing like that's just my natural response and that's okay it doesn't have to be like i think a lot of times you're like i'm stressed fuck it i don't want to be stressed how am i not i don't like to be stressed how do i fucking end my stress like no take it first as like it's cool if i'm stressed first take that yeah. on and then it'll it'll slowly dissipate don't do don't do the panic mode about not wanting to be stressed I do hand. talk
0: to myself out loud, but it sounds like that last voice you were using. I'm like, come <laughs> oh, on, man, what are, like, what? What, what? what are you doing? you are you fucking <laughs> idiot!
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're wasting your entire <laughs> life. You sound like Jimmy Cagney again. Oh, again. yeah. Come on.
0: Come on. Uh, and finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true, you know, to be false or vice versa, Dave?
2: I, there's a, a misconception that you can't enjoy socializing on a Zoom call. I think mm. that's not that's not true. There are ways to do it. Uh, there are ways to have fun having remote social activities with people. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, most of the time it's like, I invited 37 of my best friends in the whole world <laughs> and we're all going to do a dress-up party or I'm going to play music for everyone. It's going to be so fun. That's not fun. You know what that is? That's too many people to ever <laughs> have a conversation You talk to one person, maybe, or whoever is the loudest and the most obnoxious of the 37 people you invited, who's just screaming jokes at you and trying to tell you (laughs) about their kid and how he's potty training, or, oh boy, guess what I did? I rearranged all my books, and now they're color-coded, or, you know, whatever the thing is. You can't enjoy anybody like that. Have a small group. I, I do a thing where every two or three weeks, I get the same Three people together and the four of us have a conversation and it's very relaxed and, and it's good and we get to catch up and it feels like you have human contact for a while.
1: Mm-hmm. The only
2: other human contact I have is doing podcasts. Right. right. You know? You so go. that's that's work, you know. Uh so you have to do some things where it's just a couple people, you can have a real conversation. Where you're able to have a transference of emotion and actually talk to each other, but if it's thirty seven people and it's like I'm here for my birthday, and <laughs> oh look yeah. at my
1: cool background, it's it's it, it, after twenty minutes it gets real fucking old. It's so exhausting, and half the time you're looking at like the gallery view and like you're looking to like whoever you're with, and, like who the fuck is that? Yeah, who is that person? <laughs> Why I did do they this keep talking
2: my girlfriend had a birthday and i invited a couple people who didn't know anybody else and they just sat there in silence and i'm like i'm ruining their night yeah right right, (laughs) if i had just not invited them they would have not cared but then i invited them and they had to sit there and pet their cat and wait for their postmates to show up instead of having a conversation because you can't introduce yourself on a (laughs) zoom call right right. unless you're the loudest motherfucker on the planet which i am so i'm fine with it but (laughs) nobody else is uh, all right, guys, let's take a quick break
0: and we'll be right back. And we're back. So, you know, in in sad news, uh, one of the 140,000 people who passed away was Stephen Miller's grandmother. Stephen Miller, obviously, you know, a creepy white supremacist, uh, but apparently, oh, come on,
1: come on, call him by his formal name Teenage Mutant Ninja Gerbils. That's
0: right, uh, that's I what apologize.
1: he does. He's just the architect <laughs> of all like the racist, xenophobic speeches, uh, and like so he's th- like the splinter of the group. Yeah, <laughs> well, actually, Jeff Sessions is because that's splinter because he sharpened his racist tools working for Jeff Sessions, and then Jeff Sessions was like you might like this ghoul kid uh, for <laughs> no, your speeches, dude. and then he moved on over to the White House. But yeah, his his uncle has had like this really. They've had a very publicly like. Turbulent relationship. Like he's written op-eds about like, yo, my nephew's a fucking joke. Like he's, you know, don't let him fool you with this immigrant stuff. Like he descends from immigrants and he should be proud of that, etc. And then so when his grandmother died, it's his maternal when Steven Miller's maternal grandmother died, his uncle, you know, posted this had made a post and made it very clear how he feels, just saying. Quote, uh, quote, this morning, my mother, Ruth Glosser, died of the late effects of COVID-19, like so many thousands of other people, both young and old. She survived with acute infection, but was left with lung and neurological damage that destroyed her will to eat and her ability to breathe well enough to sustain arousal and consciousness. Over an eight week period, she gradually slipped away and died peacefully this morning. With the death of my mother, I'm angry and outraged at Steven directly and uh, the administration he has devoted his energy to supporting. That was that jumps down a little bit in the post, but basically saying like, you're, this is, I really hold you and this administration you work for accountable for your grandmother's death. And when they asked the White House or Stephen Miller to comment on that, the response, this is the response from the White House asking, hey, you know, Stephen Miller, your uncle's saying uh, it's probably the president's fault for what happened to your grandmother dying. What do you have to say? The White House says, quote, this is categorically false and a disgusting use of so-called journalism when the family deserves privacy to mourn the loss of a loved one. His grandmother did not pass away from COVID. She was diagnosed with COVID in March and passed away in July. So that timeline does not add up at all. His grandmother died peacefully in her sleep from old age. I would hope that you would choose not to go down this road.
0: Again, this is categorically false. She had a mile. Case of COVID-19 in March, she was never hospitalized and made a full and quick recovery, a mile case. So they didn't even uh, couldn't
1: even. Yeah. The the actual typo in there. Right. And then, Um, yeah, his his uncle even pulled out the the death certificate, like literal death receipts to say that respiratory arrest due to COVID. And this is just, you know, I, I think part and parcel. I was always wondering, I'm like, what happens when someone who works in that administration you know loses a family member like what what is that thought process exactly
2: well, they're going to they're going to do exactly this they're going to fall in line they're going to say nothing uh, themselves directly they're going to have a spokesperson say it through some sort of generic and hateful statement like this and right. they're going to hope that it goes away because that is really what what defines people who thrive in in the Trump administration is sycophants they couldn't even Find a way to make Steve Bannon work because Steve Bannon was too narcissistic and into himself <laughs> right. it's really the people who were willing to subjugate their entire personality, give up their families, give up their identity in favor of this man who doesn't even seem to understand what's happening any at any given period of time and had to invent. A story about why he thinks a simple cognitive test was was the most important test right. that's ever been created like this is the person that they have decided to give up everything for and that's shocking to me that this they've chosen donald trump of all people to be the person that will cause them to turn their backs on their families and and to, and to turn their backs on themselves as human beings it's cult stuff but it's the he's the shittiest cult leader of all yeah. time like, I, I L. Ron Hubbard was more charismatic than Donald Trump.
0: Right. I think there must be something charismatic that doesn't, like, appeal to us. But that because, I mean, it's it feels like, yes, he burns down every life that he comes into contact with and has influence over. But he has been given access and influence to so many lives over and over again that there must be, like, some predatory you know, system that he has, uh, evolved over, over the course of his life to, to make it possible for him to just sway this many people, because it's certainly not evident, uh, to us, uh, to people watching from a, from a distance. But I mean, I guess this, this also is, uh, represents something that's happening to Americans, uh, across the country who's, whose family will no longer talk to them because they're Trump supporters.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a certain element of tearing people down and building them back up in your own image. If you destroy someone's self-esteem thoroughly enough, they will come looking to you to refill what is now missing in your soul. And I think that's probably what he does because that's unfortunately what a lot of people in Hollywood do. Right. <laughs> a lot of agents, a lot of producers, a lot of studio heads, you know, that is the way that they 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 get allegiance and control is from ruining your self-esteem, saying you're an idiot, constantly second-guessing you, uh, constantly nitpicking everything that you do. And then when you get even the smallest sliver of positive reinforcement, you're like, oh, I love this person. This is my mentor. I just, I can't get enough of of this human being who makes me feel like absolute dog shit. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, the idea of someone's going, ah, oh, that's my mentor right there. <laughs> that's Trump. my
2: guy right uh, here. Big
1: DT. Hitching my yes. star to this one, or my wa- whatever I mean, it is. Wagon.
2: Ask his kids. Like, his kids are clearly uh, victims of this. They yeah. wouldn't see themselves as victims, but they are because you think... He treats them better than he treats Stephen Miller or he treats Jeff Sessions when he was still around or treats anybody, William Barr. No, of course not. He treats everybody equally like garbage and then demands fealty uh and and demands complete subjugation like i said it's like it's it sucks because those kids are suffering those
1: i mean i mean you look at don jr and like the the way that like don't make me look at him (laughs) the way he's chasing that dragon of daddy's hug that he just can't seem to get his hands on you know what i mean like i guess in that similar way it's like every there's an appeal where it's like he can represent this sort of aloof parent that people wanted a relationship with and also like there's a combination of this mystique of this dated you know 80s wheeler dealer you know super capitalist guy that i think also is hypnotic to a certain kind of person you can tell because like it seems like some people are just sort of stuck in that idealized mindset of like yeah donald trump is like the sickest kind of like american you could be
2: yeah, yeah, it's it's him or Kid Rock, right? Right. Uh, I think you look across the board at any authoritarian throughout history, and that is the thing that is, they all have in common is this this way in which they replace your father, mm-hmm. they, the person in your life that's supposed to make you feel good about yourself, or that's supposed right. to make you feel strong or whatever. And it always works better on men than it does on women. And there, mm-hmm. i know there are women out there who you know see him as as a father figure or find him as sexually attractive. But it's (laughs) those things seem so foreign to you and I and anybody else. Uh, Half the country thinks he's a moron. The other half of the country thinks he's infallible. Uh, Mm. And that's, I guess, the only way that authoritarianism works in America is if you game the system enough that you convince half the the country that you're right. The other half of the country can go to hell. Right. All right. Let's
0: let's move on to Florida uh, specifically. It reached a single day record. I mean, it keeps topping its single day record for uh, deaths from the virus Thursday uh, with 173 new deaths as well as 10,250 new cases of the virus. People are, you know, getting more restless as uh, their unemployment benefits dry up and as, as the state officials are still pushing forward with considering school reopenings. <laughs> So, a poll recently came out, and we don't like to put too much stock in polling, but it is at least worth keeping an eye on. That it, it seems like this is having an effect, right?
1: Yeah, I've, in Florida, in the beginning, it seemed everyone seemed pretty chill with what the situation was there in terms of the the cases and how the governor Ron DeSantis was handling things, but. It has completely like gone lopsided now. Uh, so now only 38% of respondents in a poll said that they approve of his handling of the virus. 57% said they disapprove in April, 41% disapproved. So that's a pretty significant swing. But I think all this to say is these people, are, there are many people who are finding themselves in a state where they are just, you know, constantly burying their head in their palms, being like, "What is going on? Like really, this the the governor is saying this out loud. We're really talking about sending kids to school and putting everyone at risk. And, uh, you know, I think in the beginning, it was fine because people were really stuck on this, like reopening, like, rah, rah, we got to get the economy going. But like, that momentum has definitely dissipated to a certain extent. Like now, since that argument has really worn thin, people are like, what are we doing here? Like, it just feels really, really dark. Um, and in terms of like the reopening, 61% of these respondents in the poll said the the reopening of Florida, uh, which was one of the earliest, was just totally premature. Uh, and then only 31 said it was about the right pace and six said it was too slow. So even now, the public opinion is sort of like you completely botched the reopening. You're forcing things open. You're not doing anything anything that makes sense in terms of containment or contact tracing or, or anything. And so it's starting to affect Florida and by you know extension, the presidential race, because uh, Joe Biden is leading by, what, what 13 points, 51 to 38 percent in a Quinnipiac poll. I mean, that's just, again, a snapshot, but it's just sh- like I think that it just shows you that even in a state that in the beginning felt very in support of like what the administration was doing, once those really bad decisions start affecting their lives it's not helping the numbers by any stretch of the imagination no matter how much they talk about wall street or whatever
2: yeah and it doesn't right. help that their governor looks like whenever he gives a press conference he's just watched the last 10 minutes of requiem for a dream again <laughs> <laughs> he looks like 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 it's oh, it's the same daddy. thing the same thing as bush <laughs> uh when he was told about the first plane hitting the world trade center right it's just like, yeah. oh, I don't know what to do. I got Donald Trump uh chewing me out every day saying, you need to reopen. You got to do this. This is what you have to do to succeed. I need you. you if you don't do these things, I'm going to bury you for the rest of your career. And then he's got his constituents who were like, you, please stop letting us die. Please yeah. Ryan, do something. And he he can't he doesn't know what to do he's not a, a politician with with any skill or finesse or confidence or understanding of how politics works which is the uh the one thing that connects everything with this crisis is we have people in important jobs who do not understand how politics works that do not understand how governance work they don't understand the simple job not simple but the 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 vital job of making a state or a city or a county run efficiently they're not yeah, prepared right. for this crisis they are not interested in in meeting the moment uh, they're not interested in solutions they are interested in reelections they're yeah, interested yeah. in 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 consolidating their power Moving up the ladder, they're careerists above all else. And that is the problem with someone like Eric Garcetti in Los Angeles. Eric Garcetti never wanted to be mayor of Los Angeles. No one who runs for mayor of Los Angeles actually wants the job because it sucks. (laughs) You're beholden to the police union. You're beholden to developers you're beholden to business people you're beholden to celebrities you don't get to do anything you just get to go throw out the first pitch at dodgers games and guest star a modern family every once in a while that's all you get to do and then maybe if you're lucky at the end of it you get to go be governor of california or a senator or if you're lucky really lucky president of the united states and so eric garcetti runs for mayor and he's like all right i'm just gonna do this for a few years and then then i gotta punch my ticket to washington And then this happens, and he's not prepared. He doesn't know what to do because he's never had to actually run a city before. So he's just like so completely out of his depth, unwilling to make the hard decisions anymore, caved immediately to business interests who said, please just reopen, just reopen. Stop the protests. Please reopen. And we're suffering because of that. Ron DeSantis, same thing. He doesn't know what he's doing. He has no clue but he's just going to continue pretending like he does and giving us that dead-eyed stare like he's a hostage. (laughs) that He's being forced to be governor of Florida. No one's forcing you to be governor of Florida, dude. (laughs) You can quit today. You can go home and play golf for the rest of your life. You can die at 79 or 80 on a golf course, and you'll be so happy.
0: It just really turned on a lot of these folks really fast. Like Prior to his mishandling of the coronavirus, he was being... Talked about as the, as like one of the top candidates for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024. Uh, and then uh, he was ax- asked to actually do something. And <laughs> <Yeah>. what's <Well, it's laughs> weird
1: because there used to be like, there are Republicans who are actually like interested in politics and like governance, you know, to your point, Dave. And now it's just like a bunch of people cosplaying as politicians who are mm-hmm. find themselves actually in office and like, Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, I just liked like talking spicy and pretending I was like a Trump, you know, junior. And that shit actually worked to this point. And now I'm like, fuck. I honestly I was just kind of here to, you know, have some hot takes, get some photos and feel really powerful. The whole like having the responsibility of taking care of constituents part. I am do not absolutely do not fuck with at all. I'm here for the photos. It's a, a grift.
2: It's a grift. Yeah. It's always been a grift for these people. It starts at the top with Donald Trump, and it goes all the way down to the rest of these people who got swept in in his wake. And we're starting to see them as frauds. They are the frauds we always thought they were.
0: People uh, need to check the footnotes, uh, footnotes to for this link off to a Yahoo article. Um, that's really a great case study in how the priorities of the leadership all the way at the top kind of trickle down. And, uh, in this case made any sort of, uh, coronavirus response completely, you know, just, uh, burned it down when it was just kind of getting going. There's this woman, Rebecca Jones, we've talked about before. She's a 30 year old kind of wonderkin who put, uh, their besting, put this like best in class dashboard together. Um, that, Basically, you could go on this dashboard and find out anything you wanted to about coronavirus in Florida. And it was like the best in of any state. She had kind of uh built it herself behind the scenes because uh she knew that the administration that DeSantis wasn't like that wasn't a priority of his. Uh, and then it just got systematically corrupted, uh, you know, her higher ups, uh, who were closer to DeSantis were like, you you have to change the data so that these rural counties seem like they have better numbers so that we can uh, reopen there because it's gonna be politically problematic for him to reopen um these urban counties, but not the rural ones, because rural is more Republican leaning and so it's gonna, you know, uh fuck with his base. And it she eventually pushed back until she was fired. Um and then when she just sent an email out to her, like a, a handful of researchers that she worked with just explaining what had happened, uh, and the media got wind of it. They went full Trumpian uh, counterattack. They dug up a um, criminal case that was pending against her about, like, from a bad relationship she was in, and just really like went scorched earth uh, just to try and tear her character down. And just a an incredible story, and also a good example of, yeah, like, like I was saying earlier, in a functional administration a functional any sort of organization this would have been a thing that you highlight uh duplicate and then bring this person who has like this these incredible gifts uh forward to do more and instead they isolated it kind of sabotaged it and then fired the person and that's how you end up with exactly what she said was going to happen back When she built the database and was kind of arguing with them about the sabotaging and the uh, manipulation of numbers, she was like, no, so what's going to happen if you do that and reopen in these places where you're having 20% of the people testing positive? uh if you reopen there you're going to have numbers like this and sure enough those numbers are exactly what we're seeing right nah, now
1: now nah. here's the thing with the data and the truth you know if people find out about it then they're not gonna listen to me anymore so i gotta just right. dead that right there mm. in its tracks i mean it's like the, they have to like they have these people living in like the village like the Night Shyamalan movie right where it's like yo uh, uh, in here when you follow <laughs> this party there's just the reality is just way different in here because that's the only way you're going to fuck with staying over here, uh, because if you found out how everybody else is living, you might not like this anymore. But yeah, mm. just that dedication to snuffing out truth. And even in something like this where it's helpful, you right. know, it just shows you again, we're constantly every day. I think that's the other part is we're we're before it was easy to be like, you know, say or not that it was easier when the Republicans would have any kind of policy or bill or whatever. You could see the lack of humanity or empathy that was there. And it was always sort of there. But now when we're just talking about like, you just have to be honest here to prevent the loss of life. And they're not willing to do that. It really underscores what the end game is. And it's just, that's what I think makes it really disturbing now. It's like, yeah,
2: they're
1: they're waiting at the clock and they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. They're
2: waiting at the clock. They're hoping, okay, if we can get, a vaccine approved by, you know, November or a late, late, <laughs> late October, October you know, surprise. Yeah. The October surprise will be the vaccine being approved yeah. magically. I, if we can at least say we have a vaccine, people will will be happy and they will they will vote us all back into office. But that's not going to happen. That that, that yeah. is It's unlikely that they will approve anything before the election. You know, most people say the earliest you, we can get a vaccine is December. For something approved, not even produced and and, and distributed, but approved.
1: Yeah. Uh, but if they, the plan, yeah, they just—it feels like a like a thing, like a like a desperate divorcee dad, like a plan he hatches to get his kids back, like <laughs> like the Mrs. Doubtfire of dealing with the pandemic. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe this will work, and <laughs> we'll get back in power. And you're like, no, fool. Just do the, uh, just do the fucking right thing. I was gonna
2: say Go it's ahead. sort of like when your mom says you got to clean your room. Your room's filthy, and you're like, okay, well, I know what to do. I'll hide all of my filthy clothes and magazines and video games and candy wrappers and shit under my bed, and then it won't yeah. be there. She won't see it, and then I can pull it all out when it's over, and she mm-hmm. will forget that she ever wanted me to clean my room. All I have to do is dupe her for a few minutes, and then she'll go away. But right. this is if not going to go away. killed people. <laughs> they <Right>. do. <laughs> Snickers bars have all kinds of chemicals in them. Um, uh. Yeah, it's it's... It's ridiculous. They're they're behaving like children. Yeah. Uh
0: by the way, uh we have nothing wrong with Snickers. Snickers satisfies <laughs> uh, if you ever want to sponsor. Please. We're yes. Here for it. Cut that part out. I didn't mean to say that about my favorite candy bar. It's so yummy uh, and they got nougat in it. Uh all right guys, let's take another quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> uh and so real quick, we just uh we got an update from uh the White House about the uh statement that the president sent out to Ghislaine Maxwell uh saying that he, he honestly wishes her the best. Wish her well, man. You
1: know? They well.
0: they clarified what what was their clarification? Okay, was so was he joking this time? What well, was... I
1: don't know. Kaylee McEnany uh goes on Brett Bayer on Fox News and even he's like, you know, just kind of. He's like, he's, he's like, you gotta admit, like, it's just kind of a weird answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> hold on, I'll just, let me hold on. Let me just, just so you can hear him say it, and her answer is really something else.
2: He said, "I just wish her well." Frankly, I wish her well. That raised some eyebrows, Kayla.
1: Well, what the president was noting is that the last person who was charged in this case uh, ended up dead in a jail cell. And the president wants justice to be served for the victims in this case. And he prefers this to play out in a courtroom.
2: And that's have you talked to him about that?
1: (laughs) I have spoken to him about that. Because a lot of people were saying it just seemed strange answer. But uh, and I would and let me know one more thing, Brett. You know, this president is the president that uh, that banned Jeffrey Epstein from coming to Mar-a-Lago. This president uh, was always um, on top of this, ahead of this, noting uh, this, banning this man from his property long before this case was even being played out in a court of law. (laughs)
2: <laughs> ignore oh. all the years that he was his best friend right oh, and what
0: what you God. also could have put out uh yes jeffrey epstein might have uh eventually banned him but uh Gislaine maxwell who we're actually talking about recruited one of their most abused victims from mar-a-lago so yeah.
1: uh, it, uh that i don't understand i mean because yeah brett bayer was even like I mean, it's kind of weird, fool. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, dude, no, how's he going to no, say hey, that you shit? You know what? Boy, like. <laughs> I, I, I am at a loss for words, folks. Uh, yeah. What? Like, uh. he was for real, though, Kaylee? And he's like, and you talk, wait, but like, you talk to him? Like, for real, though? <laughs> yeah, right. and I spoke to him. And like, I'll have you know, like, he knew Jeffrey Epstein was creepy. Like, the first five, 20 years they hung out. And uh-huh. then he, then something happened with uh, Ivanka. And then that's when he finally decided this dude was banned from Mar-a-Lago. Uh, or whatever that rumor is about the two of them. But even in the way he speaks about her when he's asked the question in that press briefing, it's like he refers to Jeffrey Epstein as being like, yeah, and they were they were like I guess they live together. But we talked about this yesterday. What which one is it? Like what 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 does this response mean? I have exactly? a theory. The theory mm-hmm. is
2: Donald Trump is a very stupid person. Mm-hmm. I think that we can all agree on that. He's Go not a off. very sharp man. And so when someone asks him a question, he is uncomfortable answering. He has been trained to just say, I wish them well. I, I hope for the best. You know what? Uh, I, I, I hope that, that God shines his light upon her. That's all he's going to be able to say because he can't form a coherent thought that articulates what he should be saying for political purposes. So he just defaults to this kind of generic positive sentiment. But that doesn't work with someone who is being yeah. accused of uh, sex trafficking. That doesn't. Yeah. We, we don't want you to wish the sex trafficker well. And on the other side, now people are saying, "Oh, that was that was mafia-style intimidation, and he's sending her a message to from from the the White House to prison, saying if you right. if you behave, uh, I won't have you executed, or I will pardon you, or something." So mm. he just doesn't. He is very very dumb. He is the person (laughs) who, in that interview about the test, starts rattling off clearly fake questions from the test because he named things that were in his peripheral vision as he was talking to the reporter.
0: So this is the Chris Wallace interview from over last weekend, right? Where uh, Trump bragged about how hard he aced the test that they gave him, the cognitive test, and how... Some of the questions were so hard that they didn't expect anybody to be able to answer them. But he he got them. And Chris <laughs> Wallace was like, uh, sir, I took the test just to see what it was like. And the questions like it's a pretty easy test. Man. It's like what well, one of them was what is this thing? And it was a lion. And he just had to say it's a lion. Another He's like, yeah, of but them, what is that thing, though? <laughs> <laughs> another of them was count backwards by seven from 100, and Trump was like, yeah, man, exactly. Like, you know. Yeah, I uh, killed that. Chris was very hard. Very hard 100,
1: test. 100, 7, 7, <laughs> 6, <laughs> 5, 4, <laughs> what? These, are, these are
2: games that I play with my two-year-old. He's like, yeah, what right. color is that fire truck? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's red. Oh, good job. Because he's Nailed learning it. what colors are and what the, what objects are. This man <laughs> saying he knows what a lion is, Uh, being some kind of badge of honor just bums me out so much um yeah and i mean he's i i I would love
0: to see the test i I would love to because they they have reproduced like a similar test i don't know if we've seen the exact test but uh
1: i mean if it's similar i can imagine it's probably very similar like it Mm. can't be too different right
2: if, if we can get the Snyder cut released on HBO Max, we can get that <laughs> yeah. fucking test out. Yeah. Release Give the it.
0: test. Um, all right, let's switch over to the world of popular culture. Tenet is a Chris Nolan movie that is done. It's finished. It's in the can. Uh, literally like the film is in the canisters ready to be projected. Uh, into theaters and it's being held back because of COVID nineteen because of yeah. the global pandemic that is happening. Uh, the movie I hadn't realized this cost two hundred and five million dollars. Um,
1: that's before marketing. Too. That's be-
0: right. Which, so they
1: got they got a they got a, they got some money to make off this thing.
0: And it's it's an interesting risk because it's like a big. Like that's that's a lot of money to spend on a thing where I can't even explain to somebody what it is. Like what, what the movie is. It's like
2: yeah. Well, it's like Same time goes the backward experiment. and forward. And uh, oh, oh oh, it's it's the new film from visionary director Christopher Nolan. That's all you right. need to say. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Totally. Oh, I'm I'm so excited about it. I just that's a that's a big. They took a gamble, uh, and that now they're getting. Fucked by un unforeseen and unforeseeable uh, circumstances. Uh but so so now people are trying to figure out what, what they're gonna do with the movie, basically.
1: Yeah, they you know, you got a blockbuster film that you just know if it comes out and theaters were open, it does what it needs to do and it's fine. Everyone can go back to their desks. But uh, you know, there's rumors that first that it could possibly be put on HBO Max just to go like, let people need to see it. Let's put it on HBO Max. It can draw a lot of subscribers in that. And I think, you know, while that it was a nice idea, the CEO of at and which is the parent company of Warner Brothers, was basically saying, "Uh, I'd be very surprised if that would be the case in terms of Tenet or like Wonder Woman going to streaming. In fact, I can assure you with Tenet, that's not going to be the case. So. You know, I get it. Trolls did well. Uh, And some other things did actually, you know, decent job performing by streaming. But yeah, I think Tenet is just one. It's weird because even if it was streaming, part of me would want to just abstain because I'd want to see it. in a. I just want to see it in a large format. So I don't know. You know, I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see or people can just sit really close to their TVs pretend they're at the movie
2: theater. I want to watch it on my phone while I'm taking a dump
1: in in 10 to 15 minute increments. (laughs) In quibbies, As God
2: intended. God being Jeffrey Katzenberg.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I, I
2: just don't know about this whole thing. I'm sure he has some language in his contract that says it has to be released theatrically. Um, Just put it out in China. They'll, They'll love it.
1: Right, anywhere else. Like, yeah, it just becomes this coveted thing that we just don't have in the U.S., Maybe that'll put pressure from, uh, like, dudes on the internet to go after the administration. Like, <laughs> get this pandemic in order, man. Yeah, Everyone's watching Tenet but me, man. I can't fucking go on Reddit anymore. Everything's a fucking spoiler. We get everything
2: ahead of time or before the rest of the world. Maybe
1: a little taste of our own medicine would be nice. Could you imagine? Like, what if that's the thing that suddenly wakes a bunch of people up? They're like, what? Another? Yeah. <sighs> No. you got to wait till when? It's not going to be gotta it. it. You
2: know what it's going to be? Is if we have to shut down Pornhub.
1: Oh, well.
2: <laughs> that would be mm-hmm. the end of this, this mask rebellion in a second. If people were told that they couldn't watch free pornography on the internet, everybody would wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick, before
0: we go, Miles, what are we uh watching this weekend uh, for people to watch with us?
1: I am going to begin, you know, I love, I love reality and anything involving romance and reality is right up my alley. So Indian matchmaking, I'm going to dive into and just check out a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. I'll probably end up watching everything. I don't know if I'll watch everything <laughs> in time, but yes, this is, uh, I'll be watching Indian matchmaking. Awesome.
0: I'll be watching Palm Springs on Hulu. I've been recommended that by Hulu <laughs> and a bunch of other people. Uh, so we're going to check that out. Uh, Well, Dave, it has been a pleasure having you on the
2: Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, Where can people find you and follow you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Dave underscore Schilling. And uh, my podcast, Full Court Chat with Dave Schilling, is dropping season two, the premiere on July 30th uh, in time for the restart of the NBA season. It's a sports improv comedy podcast that I believe you'll like very much.
0: What is a sports improv comedy podcast? Good question. It
2: It is a parody of sports podcasts and talk shows where I play a version of myself that's slightly more obnoxious. And I interview uh, either comedians impersonating real athletes or coming up with characters uh, sort of in in a comedy bang-bang kind of way. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, And is there a tweet or some other work of
0: social media you've been enjoying?
2: Yes, I actually have one planned. Uh, It's from cullen crawford who was very funny used to be a writer for the colbert show and uh he tweeted on the 22nd it's funny to me that the marines figured out a macho way to all yell hooray together <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was Hoorah! Cool. yeah exactly
1: yeah uh,
0: miles where can people find you and follow you and what's a tweet you've been enjoying
1: Find me Twitter, Instagram, Miles of Gray. Also, the other podcast, Four Twenty Day Fiance. No, I'm talking about Ninety Day Fiance, the, the trash phenomenon. Uh, it's the trash phenomenon. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. So a tweet I like is from at Ben underscore Rosen. It says Republicans. We're having the military throw protesters in unmarked vans. Democrats, mark the vans. <laughs> 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 oh, it's bleak, but yeah, that's <laughs> what it feels like. No, so actually, no that's at... what it is. That's what it is, actually.
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. A tweet I've been enjoying... Ja, Ja too solid tweeted. CNN said the world is $217 trillion in debt. Who the fuck do we owe? Thanos? Uh, you can find me <laughs> Worth on Twitter. The Jack wait, underscore baby. O'Brien. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episodes, as well as the song We Ride Out on Miles.
1: What are we riding out on today? The song we're gonna go out on is from New Young Pony Club uh, and it's called Get Lucky. It's not the, the other one from Daft Punk. No, this is a different one. It came out before and it has a much nicer electro punk funk vibe. So you can get your vacuuming on or your laundry folding, whatever you, you know, housework.
0: Noise. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to ride out on that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcaster, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. We're going to be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to you then. Bye.
1: Bye.
2: Yeah.